the Imam, he has entitled it, or he has taken the title from the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Surah Al-A'raf, verses 189 and 190, the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, And he has taken this, the title of this chapter from the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in which he has mentioned that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them a righteous child, or a good child, a whole and a healthy child. Ja'alalahu shuraka. Then they made for him, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, partners. Fima atahuma. And that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. Yani Allah gave them of his bounties and his favors. And instead of thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and worshipping him alone and obeying him alone. In that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them in that child, that healthy child, they made partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that they named that child with a name that suggests to indicate ubudiyah or worship of other than Allah. And the Imam, he has mentioned this ayah to indicate the error of those who name their children or dedicate their children to the worship of other than Allah to anything other than Allah and the beginning of this ayah makes more clear the context in which these words were revealed the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala هُوَ الَّذِي خَلَقَكُمْ مِنْ نَفْسٍ وَاحِدًا that he, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is the one who created you from one soul, min nafsin wahida. And some of the scholars of tafsir, or the majority of the scholars of tafsir, explain this to mean Adam alayhi salam, the first man and the first prophet. That Allah created all of humanity, min nafsin wahida, yani from one soul, that is Adam alayhi salam. However, other scholars, some of the uh, meticulous scholars of the people of Sunnah, understood the meaning of this ayah min nafsin wahida mean meaning from one type of creation yani from the human creation waja'ala minha zawjaha and he has made from that one soul its spouse meaning that he has made that from that one soul according to the majority opinion adam he has made his spouse from himself yani as the Prophet ﷺ explained in hadith that Hawa or Eve, the wife of Adam ﷺ, that she was created from one of his ribs. That means she was created from him. That is according to the majority interpretation of this ayah. However, the other scholars said that it means that he, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created his spouse from the same species, yani also from human, not from a different type of creation. And the difference between these two interpretations is very significant. It's not just a difference uh, that yani shows different sides of the same meaning, but actually, based upon the two interpretations, there is a completely different view of what is contained in this ayah in reference to the shirk that was committed 
in making partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that which he had given them of a walad sali, a healthy whole child. Then he said <coughs> yani that he created وَجَعَلَ مِنْهَا زَوْجَهَا لِيَسْكُنَ إِلَيْهَا He made his spouse from that same one or the same type so that he might find rest and peace and tranquility in her. فَلَمَّا تَغَشَّاهَا حَمَلَتْ حَمْلًا خَفِيفًا فَمَرَّتْ بِهِ فَلَمَّا أَثْقَلَتْ دَعْوَ اللَّهِ رَبَّهُمَا لَإِنْ آتَيْتَنَا صَالِحًا لَنَكُونَنَّ مِنَ الشَّاكِرِينَ Then after they came together as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them naturally to be inclined to one another فَلَمَّا تَغَشَّاهَا When he covered her Meaning here when he came together with her When he had relations with his spouse Hamalat then she became pregnant. Hamlan Khafifan, but it was a light pregnancy, meaning that in the beginning it's just a sperm and an egg coming together and in the beginning of the creation of the human being it's not something that is noticeable. It is a light carrying. She went about going uh, wherever she would go with ease, not having any difficulty due to the lightness of that which she was carrying. But when it became heavy, and when the child grew and became big and became heavy and a weight for her to carry, meaning closeness of the time of the delivery of that child, both of them supplicated to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah rabbahuma. They supplicated to Allah their Lord. And here some of the scholars said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has used these two words to show both the two characteristics of importance here, Allah rabbahuma that they have called on Allah, Allah indicating Al-Uluhiyya, Al-Uluhiyya, the divinity. وَرَبَّهُمَا الرَّبْ indicating Al-Rububiyya, or the Lordship, the one who is the Lord and Creator and the Master. These two great characteristics, Al-Uluhiyya, the divinity and the right to be worshipped, and Al-Rububiyya, the Lordship that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only Creator and Owner, and who controls the affairs of this universe, they called on Him with these characteristics in mind and they said that if you were to give us salihan la'in ataytana salihan if you were to give us a wholesome whole healthy child then we would definitely be of those who are thankful and if you gave us of your favor for fear that the child would be unhealthy or it would be other than human they prayed to Allah for a salih a walad salih and they said, if you, have, if you would give it to us, then indeed we would be of those who show their gratitude. Yani, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives his favor, then it is the responsibility of those who have been given his favors to show their gratitude and their thankfulness by obeying him and doing that which is pleasing to him and using that which he has given them for his obedience and for his pleasure. And if it is in this case their children, then they should make sure that those children are raised and taught to be dedicated to Allah alone. However, even though they had said so, and it is the nature of the human being to make promises that they don't keep, صالحاً, then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them a child that was whole and healthy, as they had asked, جَعَلَ لَهُ شُرَكَاءَ فِيمَا آتَاهُمَا 
then they made partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that which he had given them. Yani, they didn't name that child with a name that indicated the worship of Allah alone, nor did they dedicate that child to the worship of Allah alone, but they gave some partnership to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in naming that child with a name that indicated servitude or worship of other than Allah. فَتَعَالَ اللَّهُ أَمَّا يُشْرِكُونَ But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very high. He is exalted high above and far removed from that which they associate with Him, the shirk that they make with Him. The Shaykh says, Al-Qara'awi, Hafidhullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, in the general meaning of this ayat, he said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informs us in this ayat that He created the human being min aslin wahid, from one source. Min shaks wa shaksin wahid, from one person. And that He created from that one its spouse. And that was so that they could find any peace and tranquility in living with one another. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created within them, yani within their nature, the love of coming together, yani of being with one another. And He made lawful for them that coming together, yani al-jima'ah, yani marital relations. And that is so that He would complete for them their condition of peace and tranquility and also so that the human beings, yani so that the uh, human race, would continue, would not be cut off. Then he says that when she became pregnant, then at the time of the delivery of the child, they asked their Lord to bless them or to provide them with a healthy child so that it would be the pleasure of their eyes and that it would remove from them the feeling that they had of being and without, and their, their life was not complete. There was some loneliness there. Then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answered their supplication and He gave them that which they asked for, they named their child Abdul Harith. Abdul Harith. And Al Harith is not one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And some of the scholars said that it is a name for Iblis. And he was the one who, uh, who as coming in the explanation of Ibn Abbas, threatened them to either name their child with his name as a servant or a slave for him or he would cause some harm to that child or the child would not be born normal and so on. So they made some association with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or some giving some partnership to other than Allah with him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is far removed and high above and exalted above having any partners with him. Actually this ayah, it has two basic explanations in the books of tafsir. The most common explanation is that this ayat was revealed in reference to Adam السلام, and his wife Hawa. And that the shirk that is mentioned here, it means that they have given some obedience to other than Allah that belongs to him alone. Yani, their obedience was in naming their child with a name other than the appropriate name, the name that indicates worship of Allah alone. They named their child in obedience to Iblis. Uh, in fear that he had some ability or that he would cause some harm to that child. However, other of the scholars from amongst the Tabi'een, Al-Hassan al-Basri, Rahimahullah, and from amongst the later scholars, the great scholars of Tafsir, Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir, Rahimahullah, in Tafsir, he said that we take the opinion of Al-Hassan al-Basri, and that is the opinion that this ayah was revealed in reference to the progeny of Adam, the children of Adam, 
from amongst them there are those who are mushrikeen and from amongst them there are those who are mu'mineen and that this ayah was revealed in reference to his progeny those who came after him that some of them would fall into shirk shirk and that and and it, and that it does not mean that adam salam, the first prophet of allah that he fell into shirk even minor shirk or any type of shirk but in fact it was from his progeny and even though the first opinion is the majority opinion and even though the general context of these ayats seems to suggest that it is Adam السلام, and Hawa, however the second opinion is the opinion of great scholars from amongst the early generation of the Muslims and great scholars of Tafsir like Al-Hafiz ibn Kathir and even some of the contemporary scholars such as Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen argued for the second opinion that the meaning of this ayat is not in reference to Adam السلام, and his wife Hawa and Allah knows best. In any case, the Sheikh says here that there are seven points that may be understood from these ayats. The first of them is the preference of men over women. In that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala began with the creation of men before women. Number two, the preference of marriage over the abandoning of marriage. Yani that it is better, the state of marriage is better than the one who does not marry and this is understood from the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he made it natural and within the sharia that the men and women should marry the third point is that it is from husnul adab and it is good manners that we should use expression it means to use a kinaya an expression that indicates something without mentioning it directly it is from good manners that we should use kinaya, an, an expression that indicates what we want to talk about without mentioning directly when we are talking about those things that are sensitive, that people normally feel shy to mention. And this is understood from the expression that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used in this verse in reference to the uh, coming together of man and woman, he said, فَلَمَّا تَغَشَّاهَا يعني when he covered her and he means by this marital relations and there are other ayats in the Quran and, in this, and there are statements of the Prophet ﷺ in the Sunnah which indicate the use of kinaya instead of using uh, those type of expressions that are better to avoid concerning those things that people are sensitive to Number four, the clarification of the superiority and the virtue and excellence of the mother and the difficulty and hardship that she suffers in giving birth to a child. And in this uh, ayah, there is also a proof of the excellence and superiority of mother, yani of motherhood and the mother due to what she goes through in order to deliver her child. Number five, that it is legislated, mashru'ah. And the Sharia is legislated to make a dua, supplication, and the confirmation that supplication indeed is beneficial. And in this ayat also, we, we know that a dua, supplicating Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is legislated, and that, that supplication benefits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers those who call on Him. And here it is important to note, as we have mentioned previously, but that a dua here, is not limited to asking for something that you need just by saying, Oh Allah, give me this or give me that. But dua, as many of the scholars of the people of Sunnah have said, it is of two types. Dua al-mas'ala, yani when you ask Allah for something, yes, Allah, 
you ask, oh Allah, give me something or help me or do whatever. And dua al-ibadah, which doesn't entail necessarily using words, asking for what you want, but dua al-ibadah, it means that you perform some act of ibadah, some act of worship, and as a result of that, you expect that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you that which you want. And Allah knows what you want even if you don't say it. But if you are in need of something, you might ask Allah, Oh Allah, give me this. Or you might do some act of worship. And that, through that act of worship, it is a means of supplication or dua. So here, both of these types of dua are meant when we say that dua is legislated and that it benefits. Dua al-mas'ala, asking by words, and dua al-ibadah, performing acts of worship. Uh, with the hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you that which you desire. Number six, that any type of shirk, association, making partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it negates a shukr. And it was expected that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them that which they asked for and gave them of his bounties, a healthy child, then they were required to thank Allah, to express a shukr, gratitude and thankfulness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, instead of doing so, they associated something with Allah and naming that child with a name that didn't indicate the exclusive worship of Allah alone. And this type of shirk, even in naming the child with a name that uh, is contrary to the tawheed, then this is a negation of gratitude or thankfulness. And number seven, the obligation of a tanzih. Tanzih Allah, amma la yaliq bihi, yani that we should negate from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever is not suitable and fitting to His glory or His majesty and that it is obligatory to negate from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever is unfitting for Him and this is understood from the end of the ayat فَتَعَالَ اللَّهُ أَمَّا يُشْرِكُونَ that Allah is removed, far removed from and high above that which they associate with Him Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has negated from Himself the idea that he might have an associate in anything. Therefore, a tanzih, the negation of what is not suitable or fitting to Allah, it is required from the believer to negate from Allah whatever has been ascribed to him falsely. And here also we can make a note so that we don't forget that the manhaj, well, maybe we'll save it until the next uh, chapter. Yeah because it is more closely related to this matter of yani, uh, confirming for Allah what he has confirmed for himself and negating from him what he has, what he has negated from himself or that which is unsuitable for him inshallah we'll talk about it in the next topic uh, then the shaykh says the relationship of this ayat to the chapter under discussion the relationship to the chapter under discussion yani this ayat that Allah gave them a healthy child and then they made partners with Allah in that which he had given them and the relationship of this ayat to the general topic of a tawheed is that this ayat indicates according to the tafsir of Ibn, Ibn Abbas according to the tafsir of Ibn Abbas which is the first interpretation that we mention and his tafsir is coming after this however his tafsir is according to the first interpretation that this ayat is revealed in reference to Adam salam, and his wife Hawa according to that tafsir this ayat indicates that a ta'abid لِغَيْرِ fil الْأَسْمَاءِ shirk that naming somebody with a name that indicates ubudiyah or worship or servitude to other than Allah naming somebody with such a name then this is shirk is a type of shirk however that shirk according to those who say it is in reference to Adam 
alayhi salam, it is minor shirk. And it is not the shirk of those who name their child after yani, Abd, for example, after some so-called saint, Wali, like Abdul Qadir or Abdul Isa or Abdul Hassan and Hussein, as the Rafi, the Shia do. Yani, they name their children the servant of that thing, which is that one who is other than Allah, actually meaning servitude to that one, believing that they, are, that they have some divinity besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is major shirk. However, here, what is intended by those who hold the first interpretation, they mean that it was a type of shirk just in naming that child Abd, something other than Allah, the slave of someone or something other than Allah, even though they didn't mean that that child is really a slave to anything other than Allah or that it should worship other than Allah. It was merely just giving him that name uh, in response to the threat and the fear from Shaytan Iblis when he threatened them as is mentioned in the coming report from Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah here uh, actually before the report of Ibn Abbas although here the Shaykh Qarawi he skips the statement that came after this it is a statement from Ibn Hazm rahimahullah which is not in the Sharh the book, explanation book, however in the original Kitab al-Tawheed it is mentioned that Ibn Hazm said that it is agreed upon it is agreed upon by the scholars that to name somebody with a name which indicates servitude or slavery to other than Allah it is haram, it is forbidden such names as Abdul Amr or Abdul Kaaba or whatever is similar to that except Abdul Muttalib except Abdul Muttalib. And some of the scholars said that the exception here to the name Abdul Muttalib is not something that is agreed upon. But what Ibn Hazm means that the scholars have agreed that to name somebody with a name Abd Al-Kaaba or Abd Isa or Abd Hassan or Hussein or anything like that it is prohibited by agreement, by ittifaq but there is disagreement whether or not it is permissible to name with the name Abdul Muttalib. And in fact the correct opinion is that it is also prohibited even though the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ was named by that name in Jahiliyyah, before Islam, and the Prophet ﷺ have said during Islam after the prophethood, Ana ibn Abdul Muttalib, that I am the son of Abdul Muttalib. However, he didn't mean by that to say, to confirm that this name is something that Islam allows or legislates, but he meant to state a fact that in fact that was the name of his grandfather. Not that this is something that we should name by. And there is a long discussion concerning this matter. However, the correct opinion is that all such names are prohibited, with no exception, not even the naming of Abdul Muttalib. Then the Imam, rahimahullah, mentions the report of Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhu, may Allah be pleased with him and his father, in which he gives his explanation of this ayah, which we have just mentioned. And it should be noted that this is the tafsir of Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhu, and this, such a statement like this has not been reported from the Prophet in any Sahih authentic hadith but it is mawquf on Ibn Abbas and it is not any Sahih as a interpretation or explanation from the Prophet and this story has not been reported authentically from the Prophet and in fact some of the scholars a number of scholars Ibn Jawzi from amongst the earlier scholars and Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen from amongst the contemporary scholars have argued against the authenticity of this story strongly 
and convincingly showing that it is not an authentic story. In any case, some of the, many of the scholars have accepted and they have narrated in the books of Tafsir and in the books of Hadith. And it is only here, and our intention to note that um, many of the scholars did not accept it. Ibn Kathir, Al-Hafiz Ibn Kathir, Rahimahullah, in his Tafsir, after mentioning some of the narration concerning the meaning, uh, the same meaning as this story which is reported in Kitab al-Tawheed, he said that these narrations, that apparently they are narrations, and Allah knows best, from the Ahl Kitab. And we know it has been authentically reported from the Prophet wasallam that he said, if the Ahl Kitab report to you something, فَلَا تُصَدِّقُوهُمْ وَلَا تُكَذِّبُوهُمْ Don't affirm the truthfulness of what they say, nor deny it. Don't affirm the truthfulness of it, nor deny it. Therefore, based on this, some of the scholars have accepted such narrations and they have reported them, while others have examined them carefully and rejected them. In any case, here, the Imam mentions from Ibn Abbas concerning this ayat, that he said, لَمَّا تَغَشَّاهَا Adam حَمَلَتْ Yani when Adam السلام, covered his wife or had such marital relations with her, she became pregnant, فَأَتَاهَا Iblis, then Iblis came to her, فَقَالَ إِنِّي صَاهِبُكُمَا الَّذِي أَخْرَجْتُكُمَا مِنَ الْجَنَّةِ He said, I am your companion who have forced you out of the paradise. Yani Iblis came to uh, Hawa and he said to her, I am your companion, the one who got you kicked out of the paradise. And this is one of the proofs that Shaykh Al-Uthaymeen mentioned, Rahimahullah, would show the falseness of this story. That how could Iblis come to Hawa and remind her that I am the one who caused you to be kicked out of Jannah and then suggest to something to her and she would obey him. After reminding, yani the one who wants to mislead or deceive somebody doesn't come and say, I'm the one who deceived you before. Let me try and deceive you again. He said, after reminding her of that, according to the narration it says, Either you will obey me in what he is requesting, in what I am requesting, or I will make your child come out with two horns, like the horns of a mountain goat. Some of the scholars of language, they said it is wa'al, which means a male mountain goat, not a deer, as it has been translated here. So I will make the child come out with the horns, like a mountain goat, so that when it comes out, min batnik. Then it will come out and it will tear open your stomach. And he kept going on saying, threatening, I will do and I will do. And he will, what he will do in order to frighten them. In order to make them to name their child after him, Abdul Harith, instead of after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then they refused to obey him. Then the child came out dead. It didn't live. Then she became pregnant again. And Iblis came and said, similar to what he said to her before. And they refused to obey him. Then the, the second child also came out dead. ثُمَّ حَمَّلَتْ فَذَكَرَ لَهُمَا فَأَدْرَقَهُمَا حُبَّ الْوَلَدِ Then, when she became pregnant, this time, third time, he reminded them يعني, of what he had said before and what had happened before, and they were overcome with love of that child, which she was carrying, which she was pregnant with, and for fear of the same result taking place, 
they obeyed him. Fasammayahu Abdul Harith. Then they named their child as he required of them. As Iblis he required of them. فَذَلِكَ قَوْلُهُ جَلَّ جَلَالُهُ جَعَلَ لَهُ شُرَكَاءَ فِي مَا آتَاهُمَا رَهُ إِبْنِ أَبِي حَاتِمْ He said, uh, then this is the meaning of the saying of Allah, the glorious and the majestic, when he said, then they made for him partners in that which, and they made for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala partners in that which he had given them. And this has been reported by Ibn Abi Hatim, and likewise by Sa'id bin Mansur, and Ibn Munzur, as it has been mentioned by Suyuti in his book, Ad-Dur Al-Manthur, and it has also been mentioned by Ibn Kathir who rejected it uh, as being authentic. And likewise, of the arguments of those who rejected it, yani, is the idea that they would have believed that he had the ability to cause the child to die or, or, or the ability to cause the child to come out with horns. When in fact, this is the ability and yani, this power to do so is within the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And we don't expect that Adam alayhi salam, that he would have believed or confirmed or acted in accordance with such a threat or a claim. Uh, the Shaykh says in the meaning of this report, he says that Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma informs us that when Hawa, that is Eve, became pregnant from Adam alayhi salam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he wanted to test them. He wanted to test the parents of this child. So he gave some authority to Iblis over them and he came to the two of them requesting from them that they name their child that, would, that was to be born Abdul Harith, yani the servant or the slave of Al-Harith, not the slave of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he continued to come back to them and to repeat this and to threaten them uh, with what he would do until the love of that child which they were expecting overcame them and the kindness or mercy or fear for that child overcame them so that they obeyed him and they answered his call and yani they did what he requested of them and then in the child Abdul Harith so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected that child from death as a fitna and empty hand for the both of them as a fitna and empty hand and this is an important point even if the story is not authentic and Allah knows best but the important point here is that it is true that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes tests the righteous and the believers with a fitna. He gives them a test or a trial of something to test and see if it would cause them to deviate and to obey other than him. Such as today we find in the Muslim world many of the people going to the graves praying to these so-called saints, dead people in the graves who they call the awliya of Allah. And sometimes when they go to those graves and they ask for something it happens. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala caused to happen because it cannot happen except that Allah makes it to happen. Because the, the one in the grave, even when he was living, he couldn't make anything happen unless Allah allows it. And after he is dead, he can't do anything even for himself. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes answers the supplication of those who supplicate at the graves. And it is not the answering of the one who was in the grave, but it is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to see if they would deviate and then begin to worship the one who is in the grave instead of worshipping Allah. So in any case, the Shaykh he says here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, according to the story, he allowed that child to live and it was a test or a fitna to see if they would think that that child has been born safely and healthy due to shaitan's power and ability to cause harm to it and he allowed it or was it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself, who is the one who controls everything, allowed it to be born healthy and safe. Then the Shaykh says from this narration, there are a number of points. The first of them, 
is the confirmation of the enmity between Iblis and Adam السلام, and that is a fact and the second of them is the obligation of being warned from Shaitan in his, in his whisperings and that is also clear that the human being should be warned from the whisperings of the Shaitan the third of them is the eagerness of Iblis to mislead and to misguide the human being and he tries hard, he came back again and again and again until he was able to mislead them and deceive them and, call them to f- and cause them to fall into error and number four that sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tests the righteous by allowing some calamities to befall them as a test and those calamities are only a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to see if they will remain firm and believe in him and put their trust in him and rely upon him alone and be patient with whatever calamity or disaster or hardship or sickness has befallen them Number five, the weakness of the determination of the human being, the resolve of the human being, that the human being is weak. And according to this story, Shaitan came back a few times and he got them to do what he wanted to do. And this is also what we see in the real world, that somebody is tempted with something once, they resist. If it came back twice or three times, then eventually they submit and they go along with it. And this is something that we should be warned against and be aware of. Number six, the love of the child that is natural and instinctive in the human being Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put this love in the human being Allah is the one who deposited this love in the human being the love for the child and number seven the prohibition of ta'abid لِغَيْرِ fi tasmiyah yani that it is haram to name someone with a name that indicates the worship of other than Allah yani the indicating of the worship of other than Allah in naming is haram forbidden the relationship of this narration to the chapter under discussion in the general topic of Tawheed is that it indicates that naming somebody, someone with a name that indicates the worship of other than Allah is a type of shirk and that it is shirk. Of course, if it is simply naming without intending that that name means that the one who it is named after is really has any divinity or any uh, or any of the aspects of the Tawheed of Allah then it is different than the one who believes that the one who they are naming their child after in service to or in slavery to they believe that that one is a uh, divine being or has some divinity or some attribute or characteristics that are the characteristics of Allah alone then he says then the Imam Allah says and also he has reported with an authentic Senate Sahih from Qatada, yani the saying of Qatada, Rahimahullah, Shuraka fi ta'atihi wa lam yakun fi ibadatihi. Yani that the meaning here, it means that they made partners for Allah in ta'ah, in obedience, not in ibadah, in worship. Yani that in this story, what is indicated is that what they have done, it wasn't as an act of worship, ibadah, for Iblis in naming their child Abdul Harith. But they merely intended يعني, to give him a name and giving him that name to protect him for fear that harm would be caused to him by Iblis. Giving him that name, it was an act of obedience to Iblis. And it wasn't an act of worship, ibadah. So here, some of the scholars said that there is a difference between a ta'ah and al-ibadah. And indeed, there is a difference in that any type of ibadah offered to other than Allah is major shirk. However, obedience is of different degrees. Some of it is shirk, some of it is major sin, some of it is minor sin. Uh, the relationship of this 
يعني report from Qatada رحمه الله to this chapter and the general topic of التوحيد is that it indicates that naming someone with a name that indicates servitude to other than Allah that it is shirk it is shirk يعني but it is shirk in ta'a and the degrees of ta'a or obedience are different the last narration that he mentions also with a sanad in sahih authentic chain of narrators from Mujahid rahimahullah concerning the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yani they are asking of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala la'in ataytana salihan yani that if you would have given us a righteous child then we would indeed be of the shakirin of those who are thankful or grateful yani we would act in a way that would show our gratitude towards you he said that this was because they feared that their child would not be born as a human being yani that Iblis had the, some ability to cause it to be not to be born dead or deformed or even that something other than a human being would be born maybe an animal or a jinn or whatever and then he said, closing he said that this meaning that has been reported from Mujahid has also been reported from Al-Hasan and Sa'id and others in fact what has been reported from Al-Hasan, Hasan al-Basri rahimahullah is not in agreement with this but what has been reported from him is that which Ibn Kathir mentions in his tafsir that Al-Hasan al-Basri held the opinion that the meaning of this ayat is in reference to some of the offspring or the progeny of Adam that some of them were mushrikeen some of them are the ones who fell into shirk not that it is in reference to Adam the meaning he says of this report is that Mujahid informs us here that the one who uh, that which caused Adam and Hawa to name their son Abdul Harith it was their fear that their child will be born as other than a human being and that was when Iblis deceived them and he deceived them into thinking that he had some ability to cause harm to the child and that the birth of their child being born dead that that was from his power that he was the one who had done so and this is the end of what he has narrated and here يعني, the masail that the imam has mentioned at the end of the book which are not included in the sharh the first of them is تحريم كل اسم معبد لغير الله that it is prohibited every name that indicates the worship of something, something or someone other than Allah it is haram, it is prohibited by consensus or ijma' uh, and as for the exception of Abdul Muttalib as we said the correct opinion concerning that is that it is not an exception and also it is prohibited and any name that indicates the worship of other than Allah is prohibited because it's a violation of Tawheed worship belongs to Allah alone, He's the only one that, may be that we may be described as a slave of number two, the explanation of the ayat and the explanation of this ayat that, that the Imam has mentioned in the beginning of this chapter uh, when he gave them that which they asked for then they made partners with him in that which he had given them yani, in that child they named the child by other than the slavery to Allah and that was offering partnership to other than Allah number three the third issue is that a shirk yani, that this shirk that is mentioned here it was from simply the naming Yani Mujarrad Tasmiyatin. It was simply in naming the child Abdul Harith or Abd of anything other than Allah, and not that they intended the reality of naming that child as a real slave or servant of someone other than Allah. And here, Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salih Uthaymeen, he says that this point that 
the shirk that was intended here is simply the naming and not intending really that this child is, should be a slave to other than Allah. He said this is based on what has been mentioned by Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah in his explanation of this ayat. However, the correct opinion is that what is the shirk that is mentioned here is real shirk. Real shirk. That somebody names their child uh, not just with a name but actually believing that that uh, thing who they have named him in the worship of that it has some divinity or some right to be named as a slave of and that this is the shirk that has yani, it has occurred amongst the children of Adam and it, it is not something that was committed by Adam السلام, and his wife Hawa and this is understood from the ayah that follows in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says أَيُشْرِكُونَ مَا لَا يَخْلُقُ شَيْئًا وَهُمْ يُخْلَقُونَ يعني do they make partners with Allah? مَا لَا يُخْلَقُ مَا لَا يَخْلُقُ شَيْئًا And do they make as partners with Allah that which doesn't create anything? That has no ability to create anything and they make it as a partner with Allah وَهُمْ يُخْلَقُونَ While in fact they are themselves created. That everything other than Allah is created. And nothing other than Allah creates anything. How then can anything be made as, an, as a partner or as an associate with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And he said, this ayat is a proof that it means the human beings, that they were actually performing real shirk. Real shirk. Because this ayat follows this, the, the ayat under discussion. It follows it and shows that what is meant here is shirk. Worshipping or associating something, any other than Allah. While that thing has not created anything, but it is itself a created being. And this is real shirk, and this is what has uh, been committed by the children of Adam, the human beings. The fourth issue, he mentions that the gift that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives to a person of a wholesome, healthy daughter, it is from the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and this, again, the shirk says is based on the confirmation of this story as being true, and if what is meant here by salihan, it means a healthy child, not a righteous child, yani righteous in deen, but it meant a healthy child based on this story, that they were fearing that the child would be born deformed, or that it would be born dead, or it would be born as other than a human being. Then what is intended here is then a, health, a healthy, wholesome child. If someone, if the child is born healthy and wholesome, then indeed this is of the favors or the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the reason why the author, uh, Sheikh Muhammad, uh, Sheikh... Uh, Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab, rahimahullah, why he mentions a healthy daughter, it is because many of the people don't believe that if they have a daughter, even if it's healthy, that this is a favor from Allah. And they don't want to have daughters. But in fact, uh, no doubt, even if it is a daughter or a, or a son, all of it is from the bounties and favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the last issue that he mentions is the mention of the salaf, and the early generation of the scholars who said that there is a difference between a shirk that there is a difference between shirk in obedience to other than Allah and shirk in worshipping other than Allah. That there is a difference between these two things. And that is again based on the story and he has reported or the tafsir as reported by Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah and the Shaykh Muhammad he says that before explaining what is the difference between the shirk in ta'ah and the shirk in ibadah. He said first, what is the difference between a ta'ah and what is the difference between al-ibadah? The difference between a ta'ah and ibadah, he said, if the ta'ah or obedience is obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
then there is no difference between al taa and al-ibadah. Because every type of ibadah, it is obedience to Allah. If it is obedience to Allah, then it is ibadah. There is no difference between obedience to Him and other ibadah. All of it is ibadah. However, if it is obedience to other than Allah, in that case, sometimes there will be a difference between obedience and ibadah. Because obedience to the Prophet ﷺ is not ibadah. We obey the Prophet, but we don't worship him. So in this case, obedience is not ibadah. Obedience to the Prophet ﷺ is not ibadah to him. It is not a type of worship of him, but it is obedience that is allowed. So the obedience to Allah it is ibadah. But obedience to other than Allah, it doesn't necessarily have to be ibadah. And then he says that shirk in a ta'a, it means that you obey someone and a shirk that is in obe- obeying them that is not worship. It means that you obey them without loving them or honoring them or feeling that you are in submission to them or humbling yourself to them. Uh, as opposed to the obedience to Allah, it is obedience to Him while loving Him and glorifying Him and feeling that you are in submission to Him. So that obedience to the creature and obedience to Allah it is different. The obedience to Allah, it is obedience that also includes love and honor uh, for Allah and submission to Him. While the obedience to the creature, it's... Uh, these are the end of the Messiah that the Shaykh has mentioned. Uh, and any, we can look at, perhaps look at the questions, or before looking at the questions, any, just a brief comment um, from, any, concerning this chapter, brief comment from Sheikh Abdurrahman al-Sa'adi, concerning this chapter, he said that the intended meaning, or the objective of the author, Imam Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahhab, rahimahullah, in this chapter, what he intends to express by this chapter is that whoever has been given of the bounties of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of having good children, healthy children, they have been given a child or children and that child is healthy. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala completes that favor which he has given them by not only making them healthy in their body but also making them righteous in the deen. And if that is another favor, that is the completion of that favor. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given someone a healthy child, indeed it is a ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This, this should be understood. The human being, the parents should know that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them children, it is a great ni'mah. It is a great ni'mah and it requires shukra. It requires that you thank Allah. If Allah has given you a healthy child, it is a ni'mah. Think about those people whose children are not healthy, who are very sickly, or who are handicapped, or deformed. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you a healthy child. Indeed, it is a great ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, the shaykh said, the one who has been given such a favor of a healthy child and a righteous child in the deen, said, then it is incumbent obligatory on them to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for his favors and that he shouldn't dedicate those children to the worship of other than Allah not in naming or otherwise nor should he attribute 
the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to other than Him. So it's attributing the favors of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to other than Him. It is kufran lin ni'am. And it is a type of disbelief, kufr, or ingratitude for the favors of Allah. And this is a negation of a tawheed. Negates the person's tawheed. Now. Yani making an oath, it is uh, making oath, another, making an oath to Allah that if you make my child healthy, then I'll uh, get up every night and pray to you. I'll fast so many days or something. <laughs> In any case, uh, okay, go ahead. So what? Uh, If it is understood that this is a vow, then vows are generally yani, discouraged. If you think of the hadith which you have indicated here, you have mentioned, that is a hadith, that we shouldn't say, Oh Allah, if you do something that I want, then I will do something in exchange. I will give charity, I will fast, or I will do some worship, making a vow. In some of the hadith reported by Al-Bukhari, the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He only used these vows to get the stingy person to give from their wealth or to do something. Otherwise they wouldn't do it unless they make a deal with Allah. But in fact, what they have asked Allah to do in exchange for them doing something, it didn't come because of the vow that they made, but it is already decreed for them. So that the meaning of this is that the vow that they make, that if you do this, I will do this, it didn't bring about any good. But that good was always going to, it was already going to come, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has only used the vow to make those who wouldn't normally do to do something. Therefore, the scholars of the people of Sunnah, like as mentioned in the hadith concerning this matter in Al-Bukhari al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani, he said that actually the proper thing that a Muslim should do is instead of saying to Allah, that I will do such and so and so, you should just do it. You should just do it. That is the proper thing to do. However, if you made a vow, then you have to keep it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has praised in the Quran those who keep their vows, which is a proof that making vows is not prohibited. It is not prohibited. It is allowed. And the one who fulfills his vow, Allah has praised them. That those who fulfill their vows, it is a praiseworthy characteristic. When you make a vow, that you fulfill it. However, what is better than that is not to make the vow. It's not that making vows is prohibited. But what is better than making a vow and fulfilling it is that the person just does whatever they said they make a vow to do. Instead of vowing to Allah, if you make my child healthy, then I will fast for you three days in every month. Just fast three days in every month. Just fast three days in every month. And this is what, is what we indicated in the beginning. This comes under the, the topic of a dua any of the types of dua, we said dua al-mas'ala and dua al-ibadah. Dua al-mas'ala is asking Allah for something, by words only. But dua al-ibadah, it is doing the worship, doing acts of worship for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
so that Allah will answer you, answer your needs. So the person who has some need, instead of making a vow, what is better than making a vow and fulfilling it, is just for them to do those good deeds, without making any conditions with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah is not in need of whatever we offer to Him, but we are in need. Therefore it is better that we offer the good and do it, and if we didn't do it, there is no blame against us. Yani, but the one who makes a vow has to either fulfill it, or they have to make expiation for the vow that they didn't fulfill. So the point here concerning vows is like this. As for this uh, ayah from the Qur'an, it comes under the permissibility of asking Allah for something and promising to do something in exchange. It is permissible. However, what is better is without saying it, just to do it. If that answers the question. Any other question? Is there any question from this? Okay. Faddo. Yeah, just but uh, also we want to, if you have a question about clarity of what we have said, we'll clarify it and then take the question from the end of. Now, now, that is obedience, obeying their desires. It is a type, it is, look, in this ayat, it looks as though it is shirk. They have taken their desires, ahwa, as partners besides, as gods besides Allah, ilah. But the meaning of this, it means that they obey their desires. So that means that obedience is a type of shirk. But it is shirk in obedience. It is not shirk in ibadah. Well, of course, minor shirk, it depends on how far it goes. It can become major shirk. And in so many times we said, what is considered as minor shirk? It is minor shirk unless it exceeds the bounds, then it might reach major shirk. Al-Imam Ibn Qayyim, he said concerning this matter, that, uh, or not Ibn Qayyim, Ibn Taymiyyah, he said that, that all disobedience to Allah, it is, it comes from obeying shaitan or following one's desires. All disobedience to Allah either comes from obeying shaitan or following one's desires. And this obedience, it depends on, it is obedience in what? What, what type of obedience it is? Yani obeying one's desires. It can be uh, minor shirk. If it is obedience to that thing, in disobedience to Allah, in a minor thing, a minor act, because that disobedience, it could be in a minor sin, or it could be in a major sh- sin, or it could be in shirk. So it depends on the obedience to one's desires, or obedience to shaitan. Is it in a minor sin? Is it in a major sin? Or is it in that which is shirk? Major shirk or minor shirk? So also this has to be looked at. Uh, in fact, Ibn Taymiyyah, he said that every act of disobedience of Allah, it is a type of shirk. Because it is disobedience to Allah. That means it is obedience to other than Allah. Yani obedience to shaitan or obedience to one's desires. So every type of sin, it is a type of shirk. But it is not all major shirk. So this is an important point here. The questions that we, and Allah knows best, the questions that we had uh, at the end of the handout, is discuss the ishraq, making partners with Allah mentioned in this ayah. Yani the ishraq, or making partners with Allah, uh, mentioned in this ayat, it means the naming of the child who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given as from his ni'm, naming that child as a slave or a servant of other than Allah. And in this particular ayah, 
according to the tafsir Ibn Abbas, it was ishraq, shirk, in ta'a, in obedience to Iblis. Not in ibadah. Not in ibadah. However, if that naming is naming the child as a slave or a servant of something other than Allah, intending the reality of that meaning of ibadah, that that thing is a God for it, then it is the major shirk. I explained the words when he covered her. She bore a light burden and she continued to carry it. Yani the meaning here, تغشاها, to cover her, it is kinaya. It is an expression, a nice expression that is used to indicate something that you don't want to say in clear words. It is an expression related to al-jima'ah, sexual relations. And this was the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mostly in the Qur'an and the Prophet sallallahu in the sunnah, to use kinaya, or expressions that are indirect. The third question, discuss the words, if, if you give us a salih, yani meaning a wholesome, healthy child, we vow that we shall be of the shakirin. The meaning here of salih, some scholars said that the primary meaning in reference to the story of Ibn Abbas, it means the salih in reference to the physical structure of the child, that it is born healthy and whole and normal. And some said, as we read from Sheikh Abdul Rahman al-Sa'adi, that it's also, and it's the perfection of that ni'am of the child being born healthy is that the child also grows up to be a righteous child in the deen, in obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that they would be of the shakirin, the grateful or thankful, it means that they would act in the way that is required of the one who has been given a favor from Allah. It means they would thank Allah, and they would praise Allah, and they would obey Allah. And they would use that ni'am, that, that favor, for the purpose of worship of Allah and obedience to Allah. And they would use it in a way that's pleasing to Allah. That means the shukra, it means all of this. Not only words on the mouth, but also acting in the way that is pleasing to us, showing one's gratitude to Allah for what He has given. And number four, what should be our position concerning the explanation of this verse? The explanation of this verse related from Ibn Abbas. Yani what is our position concerning this explanation or the tafsir of Ibn Abbas, our position should be first and foremost that the Prophet ﷺ has allowed to hear the narrations of the Ahl Kitab, yani the Christians and Jews. It is allowed to hear their narrations. However, we should not base our deen upon it. We should not نصدق ولا نكذب. We shouldn't confirm the truthfulness of it nor the denial of it. Unless, of course, there is something clear in the Sharia, in the Qur'an or the Sunnah that negates it. Yani the meaning of this statement of the Prophet ﷺ is as long as what they have married, it is not clearly contradicted or nullified by that which came in the Sharia of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. If there is something in the Qur'an which negates it, then we negate it, of course. It means that when it is something which we don't have any report from the Sunnah, nor anything in the Qur'an confirming it or denying it, then we don't confirm it or we don't deny it. Because some of what they said is true. And if we deny what they say without knowing, we might be denying the truth. But the second point here is after examining this narration, there are a number of points that some of the scholars have mentioned from amongst them. As I said, Ibn Jawzi and of the contemporary scholars, Sheikh Muhammad bin Salih Uthameen, rahimahumullah, and they have shown yani, the unacceptability of the meaning of this narration. In addition to the fact that it has not been reported authentically, as a marfu 
statement from the Prophet ﷺ. It has not been reported authentically. It has only been reported mawkuf, but not marfu from the Prophet ﷺ. And therefore, the meanings that are contained, yani, such as the idea that Iblis came to them, reminding them that I have deceived you before, let me deceive you again. And the idea that he threatened that he, as though he has power, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to cause the child to be born healthy or otherwise, or to cause something to be, go, be born other than a human being, this is unacceptable, yani, that Adam salam would have believed it and feared from such a thing, yani, that it would happen. And likewise, the falling into shirk, yani, the correct opinion is that the anbiya, the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, are ma'asum, that they are not yani, capable of falling into shirk, of falling into shirk. And this is a type of shirk. So in any case, yani, the general position is that we don't negate or deny or, or affirm that which has been reported from Al-Kitab unless it's something clearly re- rejecting it in the Quran or Sunnah. And the second point is that this particular report has a good argument against it from some of the scholars of the people of Sunnah showing that it should not be accepted. Naam, tafadlayah. In the time of Nuh, Aywa, Naam, that would be also an argument. That, however, this shirk that he is talking about appears to be major shirk. And the major shirk that took place in the worship of idols. Because that narration from Abdullah ibn Abbas, which is recorded in Bukhari, in that narration you will see that what he is reporting and what he is talking about there is major shirk because he narrates the story of how shaitan came to the people in the time of Nuh and told them don't bury these righteous men in the normal graveyard where you bury your people but bury them in your courtyard in your place of gathering so that they will be near to you and then after he came to later generations and told them you should make statues of them so the people can see them and remember them and remember the good that they did and be encouraged to do good like them so what Ibn Abbas is saying in this report is that the beginning of major shirk, the worship of idols, it began in the time of Nuh salam, and Allah knows best. In any case, it is also yani, an argument that could be considered concerning the yani, unacceptability of this narration. Any other question or comment? Correction? Which one was the eldest? Allahu alam. If it is, uh, if they are the eldest son, but it appears as though that they are, that they are the eldest son. And if they are the eldest son, then this is also, as you said, a contradiction. Allahu alam. But I mean, I don't know. But it just seems, in general, the surface meaning that you can understand and what has been reported in the Qur'an that um, the first son of Adam and Eve was not named Abdul Harith but and yeah, I didn't uh, find this argument used so it may be any, something else any related to the subject that we are not aware of and Allah knows that but in any case it appears as though that is also an argument against the reliability or the acceptability of this report and in any case, yani, uh, the second interpretation of the ayah is closer to what is more applicable and more 
يعني beneficial for us is to understand that this act is something that the human beings have fallen into and that we should be warned from falling into it. يعني that is the real meaning of the Shaykh mentioning it here. The meaning of it is that we should be warned that human beings have fallen into this act of receiving Allah's favors of a good child, of a healthy child, and not thanking Allah and not fulfilling the obligation of a shukr for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, by this act of naming the child in the worship of other than Allah or dedicating the child to the worship of other than Allah or, or anything else that negates um, or any that negates the obligation uh, or the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the right of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala over the human beings to be thankful to him and to be grateful to him and to obey him subhanak allahumma wa bihamdika ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem ba'atun min allahi wa rasulihi فسيحوا في الأرض أو نعمل